Let's pray together. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing us here to this place this morning in worship and praise. And thank you for this worship on Transfiguration Sunday. Lord, open our hearts and open our minds that we might hear and understand your message for us today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today we are beginning the final leg of the His Story sermon series. Over the last six months or so, we started at creation and worked up through some of the important stories of the Old Testament. And as we got into Advent, we dealt with the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. And at that point, we moved on into the New Testament and we've been in the Gospels. And since the birth of Jesus, we have been talking about Jesus' life and ministry. And now we're about to take a left turn because for the first time, starting with this section today, Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem and towards his upcoming death and resurrection. Our gospel lesson is from Luke. But I want you to know that this transfiguration passage is found in Matthew and Mark and Luke. This is an important passage, and the fact that it shows up in three different Gospels tells us it's something that we really do need to pay attention to. There is so much. This is such a rich passage. There is so much that we could take apart. We could spend all afternoon here. But I know that you are not really interested in that and Chris made it very clear that he wasn't interested in me doing that (laughs) so therefore I'm just going to cover a couple points for today and give you something some things to think about through our lesson today God is inviting us into his glory on that mountain so what do I mean by God's glory that's not a common word anymore Let's say it's the full weight of God's nature, all of his, all of his attributes, his goodness and his faithfulness and righteousness and holiness and creativity and his love, all the, all the attributes by which we know God, it's all wrapped up together in one and it overwhelms us and it overshadows us and it shines brightly like a sun, it just, it, and it warms us and, and protects us through all of our days. That's what we mean by God's glory. And in this lesson, we are going to see God's glory on full display. Jesus has spent three years training and nurturing these disciples. But they are still not quite fully on board. They have seen his power and his miracles. They have agreed that he is the Christ. And they have complete faith in him. To a point. 
But still, when it comes to their everyday lives, they still fall short in their faith. They forget all about Jesus and and they want to look inside themselves for solutions. A good example is we saw last week. The, the, The disciples were out all day and Jesus had given them power to heal people and to cast out demons and they were out doing their thing for the day and when they all got back together that day they were telling Jesus all about all the wonderful things that they did. And then Jesus said, well, we have these 5,000 men and their families here. Uh, We got to feed them. And the disciples looked around and they found a little boy's lunch. They found five small loaves and two little fishes. Now you would think that they could have gone to Jesus and said, Jesus, this is all we have. We need another miracle from you. But they didn't think to do that. No, they said, we can't do it. Somebody needs to send them out so they can go get something to eat and go on home. Unfortunately, their quest for self-sufficiency isn't really an uncommon human trait, is it? On the one hand, we profess that we love God, we trust God, and we have full faith in God for the needs of our lives. On the other hand... We kind of value the thought that we can take care of ourselves. We don't ever want to appear helpless or needy. And we we take a certain pride in the fact that we get up every day and we solve our own problems. That sound like anyone here besides me, because I'm going to own that, really. I'm guessing others here too, right? Jesus has been dealing with this conflict with his disciples the whole time they've been together. And by the way, as a side note, that should give us hope because he didn't throw them aside because of their imperfections. So we, we have valid hope that God has use for us too in our imperfections. In today's passage though, these disciples will finally get the chance to see proof and confirmation that Jesus is not just another guy that has some rare gifts. He is the God. When our passage begins, Jesus takes his three disciples. This is his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He takes them up the mountain to pray. While Jesus is praying, his physical appearance changes. His face shines very brightly, and his clothes, according to Luke, become dazzling white. I told you this passage, this, this, uh, this story is found in three of the Gospels. In Mark's Gospel, he says, his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. Wow, that is some white. (laughs) Then the disciples see Moses and Elijah when they show up with Jesus on the mountain. We know who those guys are. They're from the Old Testament. We talked about them months ago. They were representing the law and the prophets many centuries earlier. According to our lesson, 
Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus. They spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now, I'm not one to stand up here and give you word studies, but I would like to call your attention to something. You know that the ESV is a, is a translation of the Bible, and there are many of them, and they have all been translated from original languages. Well, the word departure, the original language was Greek, and I think you all know the word that departure is in there for. The word that was translated to departure is actually exodus. We know exodus, it's a book in the Old Testament, but not only that, early in our series, we talked about Moses and the exodus where he delivered the Israelites from the oppression they were suffering in Egypt. And now we have Moses back with Elijah and Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus' upcoming exodus, which is going to be accomplished on the cross. To deliver us from evil. Do you see how these events tie in together? This is where it starts to get exciting because as we went through the Old Testament, and you can't really just put it aside and say, okay, now we have the New Testament, these things fit together. This is where his story all starts to blend in. And it's calling us to look broadly at his story. To continue with our passage, the disciples woke up, and just as Moses and Elijah were getting ready to leave, Peter becomes fully awake and says, wait, we need to build tents. Everybody needs a tent. (laughs) (sighs) Haven't we seen Peter doing some crazy stuff through this series? Well, there was no need for that, but you know, Peter was just woke up and I'm sure that he wanted to be hospitable and do the right thing and, and take care of these three men. So he meant well, but it was completely unnecessary. Then a cloud came over them and enveloped them. And a voice from within the cloud said to the disciples, this is my son my chosen one, listen to him. The disciples were terrified, but when they finally looked up again, the cloud was gone, and Moses and Elijah were gone, and Jesus was left alone there with them on the mountain. So where did we see God's glory here? Well, it's all over the place in this passage. We have Jesus with his transfiguration where his appearance completely changed. We have the presence of Moses and Elijah. And then we have God speaking from the cloud. By the way, since I'm talking about all this back and forth, you get bonus points if when I read this thing about this is my son, Listen to him if you thought about Jesus' baptism. If you think back on that passage, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and a voice came from the heavens and said, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased. God didn't do that regularly, but this is one more callback to the Old Testament. 
And now, with the upcoming season, we're going to start to enter the final chapters of his story. What does this mean for us today? God is showing us that he's real. And he is much bigger than our human understanding. He doesn't have the same constraints that we do. God's time is not our time. Clearly, that's how we end up with two men that were dead many centuries earlier. They've been gone a long time, but not in God's time. And then God is speaking to the disciples through the clouds. Clearly, this whole passage is a huge supernatural experience beyond any human comprehension. But God is letting us in. He's showing us this. And although it's beyond what we can understand, he is allowing us to participate on that mountain too with the disciples in faith. And he is telling us, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. That's what he calls us to do. Even today, listen to him. As we prepare ourselves for the beginning of Lent, which comes this week, this season of penitence, I hope you will reflect on this passage and consider how God reveals himself to us there. And I pray that as you listen for him and listen to him, this will allow you to embrace a spirit of hope that will guide you through this penitential season as we look toward the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.